our scripture setting is, has been based on the whole book of Philemon. It's a very short book in the, in the Bible. But I want to emphasize that if that this subject is powerfully important to God because he dedicated a whole entire book to it in the New Testament. The whole book of Philemon is about forgiveness. Philemon chapter 1, verse 19, I want to read. We'll not use the screens tonight. There's other things that's going on. And, and uh, so if y'all will bear with me and, and, and listen, and I uh, will not have the, the visuals that we normally do. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. He is talking about, Paul is telling Philemon here that this book that I'm writing to you, which is the book of Philemon, written to Philemon, to be read to the church that Philemon was overseer of, not necessarily pastor, but overseer. He said, I've written this book with my own hand. And he said, I will repay it, the debt that Onesimus, the things that Onesimus stole from Philemon, whatever that value was, Paul said, I'll pay it. Albeit do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels or my core in the Lord. He said in verse 21, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a, a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Therefore salute <coughs> Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read these names for a purpose. He said, salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. He did that on purpose. He mentioned five names here on purpose. He concluded the chapter by saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As I have said multiple times throughout this series that forgiveness is the work of God in us and you, you can never manifest Christianity better than through the conduit of forgiveness. You're never more like Christ than when you are forgiving somebody. So in our last presentation on this subject, I want to talk to you again about the motivation of forgiveness. Motivation is just simply to provide with an incentive. To provide with an incentive to move to action. I want to share two stories with you tonight. They come from Max Lucado's book titled In the Grip of Grace. Two stories. The first one goes this way. Each week Kevin Tennell is required to mail a dollar, one dollar, to a family he had rather forget. They sued him, this family sued Kevin, for $1.5 million, but settled 
for $936,000 to be paid $1 at a time. The family expects the payment each Friday, so Tanel won't forget what happened on the first Friday of 1982. would be January or the first Friday, January of that year, 1982. That's the day that their daughter was killed. Tanel was convicted of manslaughter and drunken driving. He was 17. Their daughter was 18. Tanel served a court sentence. He also spent seven years campaigning against drunk driving, six years more than his sentence required. But he keeps forgetting to send the dollar. The weekly restitution was to last until the year 2000 or a time length of 18 years. Tanel would make the check out to the victim, mail it to her family, and the money is deposited in a scholarship fund designated for other needs. The family has taken Tanel to court four times for failure to comply with sending them a check for $1 once a week. After the most recent appearance, Tanel spent 30 days in jail. He insists that he's not defying the order, but rather is haunted by the girl's death and is tormented by the reminder of it. He offered the family two boxes of checks covering the payments until the year 2001, one year longer than was required. They refused. It's not the money they seek, but penance. Quoting the mother, she said, we want to receive the check every week on time. He must understand we are going to pursue this until August of the year 2000. We will go back to court every month if we have to. That's one story. The second story I want to share with you is about a man. He was Bishop Donald Tippett. He was in his office one day when two young men dropped in hoping to establish an alibi for their planned robbery. When the bishop took a phone call in another room, the young men feared he had sized them up and was about to report them, so they attacked him with brass knuckles, doing permanent damage to his left eye. When the two men came to trial, Tippett pleaded for a reduced sentence for the men. For the men. He visited them regularly in prison. And after the young men were released, the bishop helped one of them financially to further his education and eventually saw him become, of all things, an ophthalmologist. Tippett expressed his forgiveness of these men by persevering and returning good for evil. So I want to ask you tonight, against the backdrop of those two stories, which story would represent you the best? What is your motive for forgiveness, merely restitution for the loss or restoration of the person. I'm going to ask you that again. Is your motive for forgiveness merely restitution for the loss or restoration of the person who has betrayed you, offended you, and so on? Paul writes the book of Philemon, the letter this epistle to Philemon, giving him a motive 
for forgiveness. He's not embellishing anything. He's not asking more. He's not asking beyond those parameters. He's just simply writing Philemon and giving him a motive through which he could forgive Onesimus, his slave, for stealing from him and then running away with those valuables. There's no ulterior motive. He just simply writes about forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration of the one who stands in need of forgiveness. The first thing that Paul mentioned was the motivation of debt. And I find this is interesting. He said, and I'll read it again. He said, I, Paul, am writing you with my own hand. It has been said that Paul, most of the books he wrote, he had a scribe that would write for him. He would dictate and the person would write for him. But in this case, he hoped that Philemon would understand. If he said, okay, I'm not speaking to somebody to write. I'm not just speaking off the cuff here. But I'm writing this with my own hand. And, and, and it's, it's speculated. Tradition says that Paul was virtually blind. But he said, I'm writing with my own hand. I want you to understand the seriousness and the sobriety of which I'm writing to you, Philemon. And he reminded him again that whatever... Onesimus took from you whatever that value is. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. There's a debt, Philemon. I will pay the material debt, but you owe me a spiritual debt. I read a story about this number of months ago, Sir Thomas More, the Lord Chancellor of England under Henry VIII, spoke the following words to the judges who had just unjustly condemned him to death. St. Thomas More said, as the blessed apostle Paul consented to the death of Stephen and kept their clothes that stoned him to death and yet be they now both twain holy saints in heaven and shall continue their friends forever. So I verily trust and shall therefore right heartily pray that though your lordships have now here in earth been judges to my condemnation, we may meet yet hereafter in heaven merrily all together to our everlasting salvation. What a story. More statement exhibits the beauty of forgiveness. If you want to talk about Paul holding the clothes of the men who stoned Stephen, then you have to mention Stephen's statement when he said while he was being stoned, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And if you want to quote that statement, then you have to go back a little bit further in the Bible and remember even the words of Jesus when he was hanging on the cross and said, Father, Forgive them who are crucifying me, for they know not what they're doing. So as Paul closes his letter to Philemon, Paul gives insight into the motives for forgiveness. His gracious but very pregnant words are meant to be the final push 
to move the heart of Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Each of his remarks contained the embryo of a truth that should, mot- it should motivate you and I to forgive as well. And in this passage, we can discern six motives for forgiving others. I'll give you six reasons or six motivations for forgiving others. Number one is the recognition of an unpayable debt. That any time there's an offense, it creates a vacuum of debt, either naturally or emotionally, figuratively, however you want to say it. It creates a vacuum of debt that's not payable. There's some hurts that cannot be compensated for. And if there is compensation, it doesn't bring back and restore you to the original place before the offense happened. Does everybody understand that? When Jesus bought our redemption on Calvary, the way he forgives us is he takes all of our sin out of us and puts it on himself as though we never sinned. But he takes it on himself. Because there's no amount of anything that we could ever do to compensate him, to repay him for what he's done. The second motivation for forgiveness is the possibility of being a blessing. I want to, if we have time tonight, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to get to this point, is when you hold a grudge and you don't forgive, there may be other people around you that's being impacted by your refusal to not forgive. The flip side of that is that if you go ahead and forgive that person, that same group of people around you will be tremendously blessed as a result of it, and think a whole lot more of you in the end because of your willingness to forgive something that's been very hurtful and uh, very painful. The third motivation for forgiveness is it's a necessity of obedience. Forgiveness according to the Word of God is not an option. It's not an option in this way. I want to get to this point later as well. All of us have been through this, especially if you're a parent of more than one child. Johnny, tell Susie you're sorry. Well, Johnny will tell Susie I'm sorry, but strictly out of obedience. There's no heart in it. There's no sincerity. There's no honesty. I'm sorry. Well, you didn't do anything. You just said words. You you didn't say one thing. It didn't accomplish one thing. So forgiveness out of obedience, even though the Bible presents it that way, the Bible prefers and teaches that you forgive out of a spirit of love and and compassion and kindness and so on, not out of the spirit of commandment. Doing something because you have to, for any of those of you that's been married for any length of time, realizes that when you do something only because you have to, it's not quite as much fun is when you do things because you want to. How many of you men have ever been drugged to the mall when you'd far rather be at home doing something a whole lot more cooperative? And it's just hard to smile and say, Honey, that dress looks really good on you. That's the 48th one you've tried on. Would you hurry up and make a decision, honey? We've all been down that road before. 
fourth motivation for forgiveness is an, an, an acknowledgement of accountability. That's huge, and I'm going to try to hurry to get to some of these points. And then finally, there's the importance of maintaining fellowship. The importance of maintaining fellowship. And with all of these things as the requirement of grace, Paul concluded the chapter by saying, and the grace of God be with your spirit or your attitude, your perception, your point of view, etc. Paul mentioned writing this in his own hand. He does so for emphasis. Uh, we just pointed that out to you. And I find it interesting that Paul was taking a very personal interest in Philemon and Onesimus. It's becoming apparent as you go through this story that this wasn't about something just going on between a master and a slave. It wasn't just going something going on between Philemon and Onesimus. But there's greater impact to this problem. And it had to be resolved. It, it, it needed to be resolved. That's why Paul has taken such a huge interest in it. There's a debt that's owed on both accounts. Onesimus owed a physical debt, but Philemon owed a spiritual debt. Onesimus owed a temporal debt, but Philemon owed an eternal debt. The point is, is we forgive because we have been forgiven much. Forgiveness, somebody said, is taking responsibility from my side to release the offender from the alienating effect of the offense on our relationship. So let me ask you tonight, if there's a debt that has to be paid when it comes to forgiveness, who are we indebted to? Jesus? Wife? Husband? Children? Church? Friends? even enemies. We don't understand the big picture sometimes, but when there's been an offense, there's far more people involved in it than just the two people who's been offended and the offender. There's always more people involved. Everybody understand that? So as we look about, we understand we have all had to, at one point or another, we had to forgive somebody or we had to be forgiven by somebody. And in light of our debt owed to God, we ought to forgive one another and forgive others. I'm going to be honest tonight, and I always try to be transparent to, to a fault. But there's been times that I have forgiven people in my little narrow-minded, childish way sometimes. But I have forgiven people, not because I cared about the person, but because I cared about the people that it impacted. Their relationship meant as much or more to me than the person that offended me. There's kids involved, man. There's children. People, you drop the pebble in the middle of the pond and the waves go in every direction. We don't always think of that. We think if I'm toting a grudge against somebody, it's just between me and that person. No, it's not. No, it's not. It affects every relationship you have with everyone else in some way or another. The next motivation that I want to give you for forgiveness is not only debt, but it's a motivation of blessing. Paul said to Philemon, yes, brother, let me have joy from you and the Lord. I wasn't the one who offended you, but through your act of forgiving Onesimus, I will be blessed. And that's 
kind of the point I was making a moment ago when it comes to deadness. There's, there's an overlap here. That there's a motivation for blessing, man. If you forgive somebody, it can be a blessing to your spouse. It can be a blessing to your children. It can be a blessing to your church. And the list goes on and on. Someone very wisely said, finding the freedom to forgive brings great benefit. Forgiveness releases us from carrying the weight of judgment in our heart. It frees us from the corrosive effect of anger and bitterness on our own body and soul. Yet as persons of faith, our motives for forgiving offenders go beyond self-healing. I don't want to forgive somebody just so I can heal. I want to forgive somebody so my wife can heal and so my family can heal, so my kids can heal, so my parents can heal. And right down the line it goes. I hope everybody understands tonight. There's a motivation in being forgiven. I'm going to tell you, this really hits hard when couples divorce. Because oftentimes it's, it's bloody, figuratively speaking. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of contention. Who pays the price for all of that ultimately? The kids do. I could talk a long time on that point. Let me keep moving. Paul makes it clear, and we discussed this several Bible studies ago, but he made it very clear to Philemon that you're a blessing man to a lot of people. Philemon was hosting a group of people in his home, kind of a care group kind of thing, and he was the overseer. And uh, he was a blessing, and people loved him and what have you. Paul said as later on, and he, he used that complimentary uh, approach to Philemon, and I believe you can do this, man, and I'm going to help coach you through it. What you have to understand, Philemon, is I've made it clear, and you've agreed, and you understand that you are a blessing to others. Now, you be a blessing to me by forgiving Onesimus. I find it real interesting that the Bible presents this subject from kind of a third-party point of view. Paul wasn't involved in it. He wasn't in the middle of it. As, as I've told you the story, he knew Philemon in ministry. He met Onesimus as a runaway slave in one of his meetings, and, and Onesimus received the Holy Spirit, and, and God filled him up with the Holy Ghost, and Paul come to learn who he was. So now he's trying to get these two men back together. Paul wasn't in the middle of this because... He was involved in what Onesimus did. Paul only got involved in the situation long after it was over. So he's trying to encourage Philemon by forgiving Onesimus. I will benefit from that. God will bring me joy because of your example of obedience and love to God's people and, and, and to the church of God and so on. By uh, forgiving Onesimus, Philemon would maintain the unity of that little care group he had going on in his house. He would keep those people unified. There's a blessing in forgiveness. It don't just impact you, but it goes far beyond your, your scope of fellowship and so on with just that person that you've been offended and hurt by. You can bring a lot of joy to a lot of people through one single act of forgiveness. In the matters of ledgers and debts, once Onesimus' debt was repaid, Paul would still have a credit for who can ever repay someone for bringing him or her to eternal life. And Paul understood that. So Paul asked that the balance be paid in kindness to Onesimus. He used the word in verse 20, we read it, he said he used the word my. And in this case, it's very emphatic in the Greek. It says, if Paul were saying it is my turn 
Philemon, to be blessed and to be refreshed by you. You've blessed everyone else. Now it's my turn that you be a blessing to them. This is to me. This is to Paul, your overseer, your pastor, if you will. You're one of my converts. You be a blessing to me by forgiving Onesimus. Paul was not trying to strong arm him, but he's just having, he wanted Philemon to see the big picture. Paul had already told Philemon of the refreshment he had been to others. Paul wanted to receive a blessing of joy, which would be derived from Philemon forgiving Onesimus. Have, have you thought about being a blessing to others by forgiving those who have offended you? And people are watching. See what you do. There's people sitting here tonight, and we'll say this quickly and pass. There's people sitting here tonight that have been through some tough, tough, people here tonight that's been badly bruised and impacted by family situations. There's people here tonight that's been badly bruised and impacted very negatively by, by ministers and preachers and churches and saints and whatever. There's someone actually in this room tonight that I've expressed numerous times to this person and their family that you have no idea what a blessing it's been to watch you go through such a grievous time. And I went through it with them. I was on the tail end of it, but I went through it with them. For they were badly burned and badly impacted, very negatively impacted by poor leadership, by respectable people, but poor leadership and hurt badly. But I've expressed to them, and I mean it, and every time I see them, I can't help but think of it, literally. You have no idea the witness and the testimony that you've been to me because I know what you've been through and I know your spirit of forgiveness and I don't know how you can do it. I'm not sure I could have done it as well as they could even at all. You forgiving somebody will impact a lot of lives positively for the kingdom by your failing to forgive will be a stumbling block to them for the rest of their lives. Are we a blessing? Are we a blessing to others in our forgiveness? Or are we a hindrance in our unforgiveness to others? Do the invested interest is reconciliation and unity? And Paul was pleading for both out of Philemon. I want you to, to reconcile with Onesimus. And I want you to be unified with him. When we, a part of God's church, forgive, it pronounces a blessing in that we are doing what we should be doing. And with that comes blessing. Everybody say blessing. The next motivation for forgiveness is obedience. He said, I have confidence in your obedience. Someone said forgiveness is one of the eminent signs of the vitality of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Doesn't make any difference to me how much you hoot and holler and jump and dance and sing and shout and all that kind of stuff. If you can't forgive somebody, you need another trip to the altar. And forgiveness is a hard mountain to climb, but God can empower you to do that. Yes, he can. Paul is saying, and he has confidence in Philemon, obeying and forgiving. Paul has not commanded forgiveness. 
you can't force that to happen. It's got to come from the heart if it's going to do any, any good. But Paul is gently reminded Philemon that there are some commandments that you have to obey and you have to obey them in the right attitude and the right spirit. Jesus made a profound statement and it applies to forgiveness. And everyone here tonight that professes to be a Christian needs to listen. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You're not doing it because you're told to do it, because you have to do it. Where a lot of people get mixed up with the Bible. The Bible is just a rule book, Pastor. I've heard that for the 30 years I've been in ministry. It's just a rule book of do's and don'ts. Is marriage not do's or don't? Or am I mistaken? Can anybody here tonight that's married just do whatever you want, when you want, with who you want, wherever you want? Anybody? Don't work that way. There's rules and parameters that goes with marriage. But you don't obey those rules because you're now married. You obey those rules and parameters because you love the person you're married to. I had a conversation with someone recently. Do you tell your wife when you leave every morning or your husband that, okay, honey, I'm not going to commit adultery on you today because it's against the law? <clears throat> well, that brings a lot of endearment and romance into the marriage, don't it? <laughs> Come dragging back. of the accolades that Paul was giving him. And so now the ball is on Philemon's court. So it would only be through the grace of God that this reconciliation would be possible. Grace was and is available. It's our responsibility and duty to act on it. I want everyone to understand Everything you do has an impact on someone. Things you don't do has an impact on someone. And there's people here tonight that have chosen. I'd rather be unforgiving. I'd rather be unfaithful. It just makes me feel better. Than to do the right thing. And that is to be a blessing to your spouse, your children. My kids quickly figured out, and so has Sister Murph, that if Sister Murph wants me to do something and I don't want to do it, then you go plead, plead you, the, the cause for the kids, and the kids will get him to do it. And if my son can't, my daughter sure can. It is what it is. One of our younger fathers told me, man, having a daughter has changed everything. And the child was like two hours old. Already, I'm wrapped around her little finger. Well, dads usually are by their daughters. Not only do I not want to disappoint my wife and kids, but I want to be a blessing to them. So I'm not, my, my point is, it's, I'm not doing things so I don't disappoint them. I do what I do to be a blessing to them. 
I wonder if we would take that approach, if we had, if we could be motivated that way, what our family could do, what our church could do. I don't want to do something because I have to. I don't want to be motivated by a commandment. I don't want to be motivated just because I'm hurting somebody's feelings. I want to do what I do to be a blessing, to be positive, to be uplifting, to be an, en an enrichment in someone's life. Somebody made the statement one time that if you can visit with somebody for a few hours and leave, but your presence is felt around them for two or three days later, you've made a pretty big impact. In my case, most of the people say, well, I'm glad he's gone, but... That's the way God is in my life. When he steps into my life, I feel his impact for days, for days. And that's the way I want to be. I want my life to be that way with my family and my church. I want your life to be that way, a positive impact when you do what you do because you want to be a blessing. Forgiveness, yeah, it's a requirement, but it's also a blessing. Oh, it's a blessing. I want to thank you tonight for being here. As we bring this series to a close, if there's parts of it or any of it that's troubling you and, and you just you can't get past a certain point, I'd be happy to sit here and talk, talk to you about it or even better, be happy to turn you over to someone else and you know, let them try. I'm kidding. I was kidding. Y'all don't look so serious. I'd be happy to talk to you. <coughs> but I have a desire here tonight for every one of us to have a heart that's right with God and a heart that's right with men. The Bible said in Hebrews to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I understand you can't always make the other party give back to you what you're trying to give to them. I understand that. But it's still our duty and obligation to try. Everybody say amen. Don't say, well, I know they're not going to forgive me. No, you go ahead and ask anyway. It's okay. Say all they can say is no. And if they don't, then it's on them. But by and large, if it goes to people in the right spirit, they will. God bless you tonight. Pray that God's blessing be upon all of you. Father, we love you tonight, and it's been an honor to share in this 